look for what you're best at and what's most profitable and get really good at that and then scale. Hello and welcome back to Short Story Long. First and foremost, I want to say I apologize for the missed weeks, missed episodes over the holiday season. I've been traveling. Everyone's been traveling. Everyone's kind of in and out of work. And I'm relying on guests every week to make this show happen. And sometimes it's a little hard with scheduling. So this holiday season has been a little tricky. But from here on out, we're back to our normal scheduling of every single Wednesday morning. This week, we're sitting down with Pia Silva, who is an entrepreneur, a speaker, uh, an author, just a really inspiring, motivated person. Um, who's doing a really good job and doing really cool things. So we talk about, uh, she started a branding agency called Worst of All Design, where she works with small businesses to help them find their branding, find their voice, find their messaging, and and help them take that to the next level. And we go over her whole story, what it's like growing up in New York City and what that kind of looked like and traveling the world a little bit and, and how she figured out that what she wanted to do was be an entrepreneur and start a business with her husband and the, the, the trials of that and the ups and downs of that and her how she went from thinking that she was about to be bankrupt and be out of business to being really, really successful and how she did that and what it was that made her so successful. So I was really excited about this episode. I was even more happy uh, once I did it and I saw how good it was and how passionate she is about everything she does. So that's this week's episode. I hope you love it as much as I love recording it. As always, don't forget to also check out youtube.com slash drama drama where I put all of these videos. I also put the videos from my other show that I do called Group Chat. Um, don't forget to sign up for my newsletter YNR, the letters YNR.LA slash drama. And as always, uh, on youngandreckless.com, just for the listeners, I do 40% off all full-priced items with the promo code SSL. That's it. Here we go, back on track, brand new episode, Pia Silva, short story long. The hardest part is figuring out what you want to master. Focus on your product. Can you tell somebody that they suck? You gotta just go for This it. is exactly what I wanna do for a living. You can't even tell somebody that their breath stinks. You know what I mean? It could take your whole life and then you find your worth. The product is number one. If it scares you, you should probably do good it. Content is good content. That is the coolest shit I have ever seen in my life. All right. Welcome back. We are here with a brand new episode of Short Story Long. We have a uh, Skype call in and I'm very excited uh, for this guest, I'm very excited to talk to you. I will say one complaint, we'll get into it. One complaint that I get a lot is that I don't have enough women on this show. And I agree with that complaint. And the reason why that happens is because most of my circle, you know, right, so far it's been kind of my friends and friends of friends and people that I met along the way. And I just realized that I don't have enough good, uh, strong, uh, driven women in my life. So I'm very happy to have you on this show and very happy to hear your story, Pia Silva, thank you for um, thanks for taking the time to come do this. Yeah, thank you. That is a perfect introduction for me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's true. I just don't, um, you know, when I started this show, I really started it like I wanted it to feel like personal, you know, and I wanted it to feel like I was just having these real conversations with people. And so naturally, I just went to my immediate circle, and you know, I've been fortunate to meet a lot of people and have a pretty decent sized contact list, but. I just, you know, people started complaining around like episode, I don't know, 40 or something and saying, hey, why is there no girls on the show? I think I had like one or two. And I just realized that it's like a real, you know, that's a valid complaint. And it is something that I need to make an effort, not only on the show, but just in general, um, to make sure that I do to get those perspectives. I think it's really important. So uh, just thanks. I'm I'm happy to be the the female voice on your show yeah. today. Yeah, I'm excited. Um so let's just go from the beginning. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Uh, born and raised on the Lower East Side in Manhattan, nice. New York City. What was that like? I mean, I'm guessing that had to be pretty, yeah. um, pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it's the only, the only experience I had. So a lot of people say, "Wow, I've never met a native New Yorker," yeah. um, but I have nothing to compare it to. But I will say, <laughs> it was probably its own unique experience. Um, I still live here. I live in Brooklyn now. Um, 
you know, I'm New York City to the core. I keep trying to leave and I keep coming back yeah. because I'm just so used to the things that you can have here that you don't necessarily get anywhere else. Where have you tried you know? to go? Like, what, what, other, what other things have you tried? Um, well, I went to school in Connecticut. I went to Wesleyan University. Um, that was kind of, I mean, that was just for college. Yep. Uh, I went and tried to live in Argentina for a little bit. Jesus, why there? Uh, and ended up coming back for love. Oh, you went to Argentina <laughs> for a love. a romantic story. Because I'm married to him now. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Sorry. Okay, we'll get to that part. Uh, what, um, okay. What, uh, <laughs> um, ever L.A.? I lived on a farm. What? Ever have you ever tried Los Angeles? No, no. I, I, I think I I I went to things that were so different from my hometown. Yeah. So um I tried Buenos Aires. I tried um my now husband, my then fiance and I lived on a farm in the British Virgin Islands. We wanted to see if like island life was for us. Jesus. Um very cool experience. Not yeah. not for me yeah. long term, but but an interesting experience. Um you know, we did we did some shorter stints in in other places like Spain, um, but ultimately I just keep coming back. You know, I have such a great time in these places, and I, I like to go um, on trips for chunks of time so I can really get to know the area. But ultimately, I usually get kind of not sick of it, but just like excited to go home. You know, yeah. excited to get back to some of the things that I'm just really used to in New York City. So I love it here. That's so cool. I'm so jealous of like your adventurous sort of abilities. Like I don't. I can only go places for like four or five days and I start to just lose my mind and have to, like, I have to come home. You know what I mean? I've learned recently about myself that I, uh, I, I have a hard time changing. So like, I like to go somewhere and then I like to just be there for a while. Like the, the change part is difficult, but once I'm there, then I, then I like to stay. Yeah. So, you know, we try to go on trips for at least a month or two every year. That's so cool. Um, because we just kind of like to settle in and get to know it. I'm not a big sightseer. So, yeah, I agree. Kind of want to hang out in a new place. Yeah. You know, yeah. I just want to like taste the food and kind of get to know the streets and people. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. Um, what about like, do you have brothers or sisters? I have a younger sister. Nice. I do. And so, what, like, I guess what I'm trying to yeah. wrap my head around is like the, like, what was it like growing up in Manhattan? With us, like, what type of stuff did you do? What do you do for fun? You know, because this is the other thing. Just to give you some context, I'm from Akron, Ohio, which is super small, yeah. uh, very slow. Yeah. Um, and so the idea of being a, a kid in Manhattan seems crazy. Like, what type of what did life look like? You know, in your early teens or or that age age range. Yeah. Um. Well, I would say it, it's true. You grow up fast. Um, very independent. I mean, that also is a testament to, or because of my parents who really kind of let me run, run free, but you know, you're 12 years old and you're taking the subway to to school every day. Um, and you're on your own and you come home whenever. I mean, obviously I had a kind of a curfew until I was probably 15 or 16, but you can do whatever you want here because you don't need a car. You know, you can take cabs. There's no drunk driving. I think that's a I mean, as New York City kids, we think that's a, a real plus for safety. But, of course, you can get into a lot of trouble here, yeah, <laughs> even yeah. if you're not driving around. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was a big dancer growing up. So I I danced almost after school almost every day or I was in theater stuff, uh, you know, different after school. But, you know, very social. And there's a lot of stuff you can do in New York City yeah, when you want to really hang cool. out with people. Yeah, I just feel like that would give parties. you like a lot of um... fake IDs. A lot of fake IDs. I feel like it would give you a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of like tools, ideas. you know, like a lot of just tools to use later. I'll tell you this. I when I moved to L.A., I felt like L.A. was so big and like scary. And even now, I've never adjusted to New York. So when I go to New York, I can only last like, I don't know, four or five days before it's just like too overwhelming for me. Right. And so I can only imagine that growing up in that um, you would just get sort of these tools of to be able to be super self-sufficient and to be able to sort of figure things out on your own. It, doesn't it seem that way to you? Yeah. I mean, the reason I keep coming back here is because there is, there are endless opportunities for everything. And as a business owner, I also see there's just, you know, there's endless clients. Yep. So to me, you can kind of 
do whatever you want here because there are a lot of people that you can meet that have a similar interest or there are a lot of clients that might need your services or, you know, a lot of people who are interested in that same hobby. Um, recently I started taking singing lessons just for fun, like yeah. not for anything. I was never really a singer, but, um, you know, I decided one day I want to take singing lessons. And so I found a place that's like three blocks from my house. And I knew there would be something in a small radius because I live in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Yeah. There's probably singing teachers around here. Yeah. You know, so that's just the kind of fun stuff that I think gives you a lot of opportunity to try different things and, yeah, that's you really know, keep cool. it interesting. Yeah, really cool. Um, and then what, like, did you have any early passions or like, I guess, when did you, did you, when did you start to form like what you thought you were going to do? for your career? When did that start to happen? Like in high school or, or did you figure it out as you went? How did that go? Um, well, I think my entire childhood and, uh, adolescence, I was a dancer. So my parents put me in dance class when I was two years old and I stuck with it and I did everything, ballet, flamenco, jazz, hip hop. I did hip hop really hardcore for a while. That's amazing. Um, but I was never going to be a dancer. And when I went to college, I was an econ major and my dad like wanted me to be a dance major because <laughs> he's an accountant. He was like, why are you going into numbers? And it was like, because this is really where my, you know, I love dance, but I don't want to be a dancer. I want to, I want to be, I used to tell people I want to be in charge. Like, yeah. I don't care what it is. I just want to be in charge of it. So I don't think I ever thought it was entrepreneurial entrepreneurism. Yep. Um, when I was in high school, I don't think I knew enough to think that I just knew that I wanted to be running whatever I was doing. So at through college and then after, I mean, I never applied for jobs. I always just kind of freelanced, did gig stuff. I was like a business consultant for a lot of startups right out of college, you know, just always hustling. I think it was just in my nature and I didn't quite plan it. Yeah. That's but so cool. It seems to just be my way. Yeah. It's, it's, so. it's just interesting. Like, how because obviously now I've done like 80 of these things right and so I've, I'm kind of learning like the early mentalities and the early things that like shape people's path right and there's some people that would have started dancing yeah. love dancing and so naturally you just commit your life to dancing and then either a you you know you make it or you have some success or b you kind of have that crushing moment of having to accept the fact that that dream wasn't going to come true you know so it's just interesting that you had that sort of awareness early on to be like, hey, I love this, but this isn't what I want like my career to be. You know, I want to be something bigger or something more, you know, legit or whatever, however you look at it. But it's just cool to have that awareness so young, I think. Yeah, well, it's interesting because as you're saying that, I'm realizing I think what I loved so much about dance was the discipline, you know, the ability, like the as I got older, I became you know, very much like leading the, doing choreography, like leading the performances and, um, you know, directing shows and stuff. And all of that was more, was playing more to the things that I really liked. So uh, dance was the medium, but I really enjoyed like all of the agency that I had in that experience. And even though you're dancing with other people, you're, it's really on you, you know, it's kind of like a, being a runner, like you are going to be as good as you put your energy into as much as you're committed to it and all of that. And I think that's probably what I liked about it. And it's the same thing being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah. I think I had never really thought about it like that. Actually, it's very interesting, but that must be what it is because it's not like I changed course. It yeah. was always the same kind of, <laughs> so it's the same experience. Yeah. And is there anything that you uh, like, through different mediums. is there anything you would attribute like why you have such strong leadership qualities and leadership like urges or do you just think it's just naturally how you're wired yeah i i assume that's just something you you acquire you're yeah. naturally um just like a, a personal characteristic yeah, i would think yeah, that's cool um, um what about yeah so then when did you start like when did you make the transition from doing the cons or doing like the consulting type stuff or the freelance type stuff into you know, did you, was there like a moment when you took a risk and you said, I want to start my own thing or like, how did that transition kind of happen? So about, um, eight years ago, seven or eight years ago, my then fiance and I rented our apartment out 
and bought a one-way ticket to the British Virgin Islands to work on this farm. And we, there's this organization, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, called Woofing, Willing to Work on Organic Farms. No. And you can connect with a farmer anywhere. I mean, they're all over the world. It's really cool. And uh, you basically trade labor for, like, quote, room and board. I mean, we were basically camping on his land and yeah. eating off the farm, yeah. but in, in exchange for kind of, like, working the farm a little bit. But we really just did it a few hours a day, and the rest of the day we could do whatever we wanted. And we were living on Tortola in this paradise and, you know, just hitchhiking around and hanging out on paradise beaches, and it didn't cost us anything, and pretty much, except for the um, except for the plane tickets, obviously. Yeah. but. It was kind of an interesting experience to try to live without money. That was the idea. We wanted to see what life was like without money, like basically just bartering for everything. And it was really, really cool. And we read a lot of really, you know, the profound books that you bring on a trip like that, like lots of Herman Hess and Salman Rushdie. And we're walking around and lots of time to think. We had no electricity. We had no phones or computer or anything. So a lot of, a lot of mental space. And that's where we decided that when we came home, we would start this business. And it's, you know, I own a branding company, uh, but it really started out as Steve is a graphic designer, a very talented artist and graphic designer. And we said, we're going to go back and you're going to be the amazing creative that you are. And I'm actually going to just manage your clients. Yeah. So that's really how it started. Like, it was like, let's just work for ourselves out of our house. I'll manage the clients and you do what you do best because creative people or at least Steve was pretty terrible at managing clients, asking for money, like pricing correctly. And I was like, okay, I got this. That's what I do. Yeah. So that's how it started. And it all kind of organically blossomed out of that. Man, how interesting. And is that what, what was the story about, you said it was Argentina also, right? That you went to? Yeah. So a couple years before that, I decided I was going to go move to Buenos Aires and see what that was like. And I was going to learn tango and maybe finally become fluent in Spanish. I mean, I'm, I'm half Colombian and I speak Spanish. Okay. But not that well. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll just go immerse myself and, you know, have this like adventure. So I buy these, I buy this ticket. And then three months before my trip, I meet Steve. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I already have the ticket and I'm planning to go yep. and I meet Steve and we like totally fall in love, but I'm like, I'm not going to not go on my awesome trip for like a guy you know, yeah. that just seems so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, it yeah. seems so anti-feminist or like Just exactly whatever. what you're it's not supposed to do. And it's like what you're not supposed to do. Yeah. I'm like not going to cancel my awesome trip for like some dude. But of course, I was like totally in love with him. So I go and I'm so miserable. <laughs> like I'm there and I'm just Skyping with him every day. And I'm like taking my classes and I'm dancing, but I'm like not that into it because I'm totally dismissing this person I love at home. So um, like a month into it, my best friend, like she kind of granted me permission. She was like, Pia, it's okay for you to come back. <laughs> like you don't have to prove anything. Yeah. So I was like, really? It's okay. And yeah. so I totally like booked a flight and came home and he moved in with me and we've been together ever since. So it was obviously the right decision, but it definitely solidified our relationship because we kind of were forced into this situation where, you know, I moved back here. And it was it was a pretty big decision, but I guess it was really easy. Oh, that's um, cool, definitely though. definitely meant to be. You should, have, yeah. you, have you ever thought about writing a book about, uh, yeah. about that story? Like, have, you wrote, have you wrote about, <laughs> but, I know, but have you wrote about that? Mm. I haven't written about the Argentina thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I, I mean, like, writing a book, that, like, about, that love story. it just feels like kind of yeah. eat, pray, love. I like, think it that's feels... in my next book. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's what that, it feels like. It sounds like. romantic. It, it felt, at the time, it just felt kind of, uh, like I said, I was like questioning my own, my own uh, feminist tendencies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Letting, so, a, letting a man decide what I was going to do. But luckily it worked out. Can you imagine if I moved back here, we broke up like a month later? Oh, that would have been really sad. Then it just would have proved everything of why you're not supposed to do it. I know exactly. So luckily, instead, we got married and had this awesome business together. That's um, amazing. And I didn't and realize <laughs> in the stuff that I read, I didn't realize that you guys had a business together. That's also really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, we we definitely like fell hard pretty quickly, um, and we're both 
pretty intense people, I guess. So has there ever been like any I mean, big, when you uh, move in with someone like that, you know, yeah, of course. To be able to spend a lot of time with them. Of course. Has there ever been any like of the classic, um, like worst fear sort of having working with your husband, like issues? Have you ever had any big issues with that or, or no? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, working with your partner is an incredibly challenging uh, undertaking. Um, Scary. And over the years, we've had lots of things. I mean, that is, but we've also done an incredible amount of work to make it something positive. Yeah, so yeah. Um, a while back, we hired a couple of employees. It was actually pretty smooth until we hired a couple of employees. And that's and what made it And once we hired tricky. the employees, like the shit hit the fan because the dynamic changes people involved. Yeah. Sorry. I said just because of the dynamic yeah. changes when you add people. Yeah. Just the dynamic change. And I mean, after the fact I can now think back and I know why it's because neither of us had ever managed people before. Now we had two people there. We were like, they were kind of like our children. Like we, we had to tell them what to do and who's managing who and who's responsible for who. And all of a sudden we're stepping on each other's toes because until then, our, we, there was such a, a clear Chinese, you know, Chinese wall between our responsibilities. And then all of a sudden these two people are here and now we're like stepping on each other and kind of brought up all our issues. And so we went to therapy and, and have, have had a therapist that we go to every once in a while since then, because it's like the best thing you can do is become awesome communicator, yeah. you know, and like figure out why those things happen. And, we had a reason to do it. It's like, we don't want to be, we want this business. We both want this business to be successful and we want to be able to work together and we want to be able to work together effectively. And that really takes amazing communication skills. And those are not things that you just naturally have being able to really communicate on that deep level. So I feel very fortunate because we, we, you know, we could have gone the other way and said, I can't work with you. And instead we were like, we're going to figure this out. But it's made our marriage so much stronger. And I don't know if we ever would have done that if we didn't work together. The working together was the impetus. You know, I don't think we would have, like, we're not like bickers per se. So if we didn't have the business, we probably never would have gone and done that kind of work. But that kind of work for our business actually ended up helping our relationship so much too. So I think if you work with your partner, I mean, I don't know how you would do that without doing this kind of work. Yeah. And still make it. Yeah, that's I, I so imagine. interesting. Yeah, I just I don't because you don't you didn't write about that either. And the book is badass your brand, right? Yeah. And and you didn't write about that yeah. stuff. You've never written about anything personal, right? Um, I mean, I tell little stories here and there. I wrote about us going to therapy um on my Forbes column last um <laughs> last Valentine's Day. Oh, I, got it. Got it. I, I like to share that with people, you know. I like to tell people this isn't it's not it's just a, not naturally easy to just work with your partner. Just like I don't even think it's naturally easy to just have a seamless relationship with a business partner. I think there's a constant growth and yeah. making sure you're still on the same page, like being very clear about the vision of the business, you know, making sure it's working for both of you and and just all kinds of things that you don't just default to. I think you have to be very active in pursuing those element yeah and making sure they're clear yeah it's just cool um, it just seems like it's almost like there's an there's yeah. an element of like like you could write an article or a book about like if you can run a business and still be so in love with your partner then then normal people should be able to build a strong relationship right but through communication and through all these extreme skills that you learned right i just it's a really interesting perspective to me because essentially you did a couple of the things that everyone would say not to do but you worked to make them work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a, um, it's, I feel like it's been very lucky, but there's an element of, you know, you make your own luck. So it's yeah. lucky, but it's also because at those pivotal moments, we decided to go this way instead of quit. Yeah. Or we decided to, you know, to, to double down or like, you know, sink our teeth into the, hard emotional work of really you know dealing with our own internal shit so we could become like more more potent in the world yeah it's very um yeah a a, a few people have told me i should write a like business relationship book because i and and my badass your brand there's some there's some themes in there because i see badass branding as 
kind of, it, there's like a, a very nice parallel between like relationships with clients and relationships with your partner, yeah. like how you look for a, a partner in life and how you look for a good client or a good um, company to hire. Like, I think that the, it, there's some really great universal truths that you, can be applied to both. And so you can kind of learn from each side and apply it to the other. Yeah. Um, I want, I have a, I have a book in me. I want it to, do you know, do you, I don't know if you ever watched Sex in the City, but you know, there's a, I know that it, like I, I, I kind of know what it's about, but I've never like actually really sat and binged. Yeah. Well, you, pro- you, you probably uh, heard this. There's like some episode where she says, uh, he's just not that into you. Yep. Like some guy is like not calling her back and everyone's like, oh, I'm sure this. And she's like, I think he's just not that into you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I want to, I want to write a, like a relationship business book that's like, they're just not your client. Like, uh, yeah. no, it's not because you did this wrong or you should have said this. It's like, they're just not a good fit. It's okay. Yeah, Move that's on. cool. <laughs> I just think I, that's what, I don't know. I just think that that's not to keep repeating myself, but it's a really unique you have a really unique perspective in those two things, like those two parallels, and how they, how you can learn one from the other, and and one and vice versa. Um, it's just that's that's it's really cool, really unique. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, what about? Can I just ask, just so I know, kind of um, like a uh, sure. perspective? How long have you been married? Six years. And then, how long after getting married? Or did you start the business before you got married? We our business is six and a half years old. Got it. So <laughs> literally right before. So we got married in that first six months. Man, we how dangerous. How dangerous to be like, oh, I think it's about time to get married, but let's start a business together first. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And our wedding was really like we were trying to go to City Hall and then, you know, our parents kind of kiboshed it. So we got married in Mexico, but it was very like, well, fine, we're going to go get married in Mexico and everyone has to fly there and I'm not planning this and, uh, you know, we'll just make it really easy because we're like, because we're starting a business. We don't have time for this. So it ended up working out pretty nicely because it, because I was just refusing to do all that stuff that people do. Um, It was an awesome, really fun wedding, but it was just not micromanaged because I had other things on my plate that were more important to me yeah i'm a big, the big wedding fan being of that like, i don't know whatever people want their wedding to be yeah i'm a big fan of that wedding approach i just feel like a lot of times like i've been to some big weddings and it seems like it's so stressful and sometimes you're you get to a point where like you're doing it for everyone else not for each other you know totally yeah and i definitely took the approach of well this is this is my wedding i'm gonna do it exactly how i want it to be and yeah. that means low stress i had a mariachi band a salsa band Someone else booked them. It was like awesome. Yeah, that's and great. It like, wasn't even expensive because it was in Mexico. It was, it was really fun. Yeah, that's a home run. Um, so talk to me a little bit about like the early. So like you start this company. Your husband's the creative. You kind of manage it. Like, did you already have a really strong pull towards branding, or did that kind of evolve into that? Yeah, you know, to be perfectly honest, I didn't know anything about branding when we started this business. I barely knew anything about graphic design. Um, I like I said, I just started a business around his graphic design talent. Yep. And I really was just managing the clients. And I was like, I'll go find the clients and manage them. Yeah. And, um, and over the years, through really learning on the job, learning how to get clients, figuring it out. I mean, I love business books, um, you know, uh, watching people do stuff. Over the years, I figured out what branding was and how much I needed it to get us clients. And then as I used it to get us clients, I was like, oh my God, people don't need graphic design. They need branding and they're very different. And that is so much more valuable and I can charge so much more for that. And so it all kind of evolved. I mean, everything I know about branding and I only work with small businesses. So I specifically only do branding for small businesses, but everything I know about branding small businesses, I learned doing it successfully for myself. And yep. that's kind of just my approach. Um, but I, I you know, I, I kind of use that also. It's like I'm not bringing some big agency blueprint to your small business. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Um, but I know this stuff works because it works for me. And now I've seen it work for so many clients. Yeah, it's um, so, so cool. It's very organic. Yeah, because I also, I think another thing is like a lot of people – a lot of young people always talk about kind of like, how do you find your passion or how do you know? And it's almost like a lot of people, I think, go wrong by sitting and waiting until 
that big thing sort of hits them, you know, and I'm a big fan because I did a similar thing. Like it wasn't, I didn't grow up with a dream of being in the clothing industry or doing a lot of the things that I did, but I also just, what fulfills me the most is making progress and just sort of doing the next thing and learning and growing Mm. and finding out what is out there and finding out what I want to do with it, you know, and it just sounds like you kind of did that where you just knew like, I don't know, but I don't want to be a dancer. I want to be in charge of something like I want to run something and you kind of found the opportunity and then grew and learned and, you know, learned how to make it something. I'm just a big fan of that. And I think it's something that people don't talk about enough. Yeah. You know, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what about early? Any... Yeah. I mean, I'm spreading, I'm trying to spread the message. Yeah, no, it's great. Same here. Yeah, go ahead. Same here. Um, what about any early, uh, was there any early like big failures or big moments where you thought, we're screwed and this isn't going to work or, you know, we're going to both have to go get jobs or um, anything like that. Any big kind of shocks in the, in the early stages? Oh yeah. Um, Well, it depends what you call early. I mean, you know, we had, we had ups and downs for years, um, but we really hit our rock bottom about three years into our business um, because I was, you know, I was trying to build this agency and I had these employees at a high, high overhead. And then I'm raising the prices to match what I needed to run the business and pretty quickly ran us into debt. <laughs> so, uh, you know, because it doesn't take that long for proposals not to close and you, you don't have cash flow for a couple of months and I've never done this before. So we ended up in debt. We had maxed out our credit cards. Um, we spent all our savings and here we had these employees we're going to owe thousands of dollars to in the next two weeks and there was no money. So that was our, that was definitely the lowest failure because there was no way out of it. Um, and, and until that moment, the idea of getting rid of our employees, I equated with accepting failure. Like, oh, if we get rid of our employees, now we're downsizing. So now we have to admit that we couldn't do this. And so that was a really emotionally difficult time for me because that's really the first failure like that, that I'd ever experienced in life. I mean, that was pretty, that was pretty dark for me. Um, and ultimately it was the best thing that ever happened in our business because I feel like all entrepreneurs say that, but it's like, it really is. It is. We had gotten some of those projects and we hadn't, we hadn't been forced to look at it differently. We probably would have built an agency like that. And it turned out um, that by having to look at what we were doing and, and where we were not succeeding and deciding to get rid of the employees, but still stay in business and pivot, we ended up building the business we have today, which is like super profitable, gives us lots of freedom, don't have high overhead, um, you know, lots of ability to travel and and work with clients we love and all, all kinds of things that were not possible in that old model. So, yeah. um, it you know, it's blessing in disguise, of course, yeah, that I, you are forced to reevaluate. Yeah, I, I always kind of look at it like the because I've had uh, one sort of big phase that was like that, you know, but obviously there's always the ups and downs, but I always kind of look at it as like the problems are coming regardless and like you're going to have to learn the lesson regardless. So it's better that you learned it at that time than when you're a hundred million dollar business or, you know what I mean? Like it's better that, Mm -hmm. you know, you took the pain (laughs) and you learned kind of the lessons because they're coming no matter what. There's no way around it. There's no way to just be born knowing what to do with sort of a perfect compass. So I, that's how I, but when you're going through it, it, you can't tell yourself that it's so hard to get that sort of faith or understanding like through to you, you know, it just seems like the end of the world. Oh, absolutely. And and I think what's even more interesting is since then I have had, you know, I, I continue to push myself and, you know, take risks because I'm always pushing for what's the next thing and, you know, trying things. That's the entrepreneurial way. And so I'm constantly having failures, maybe not as dire as that, but emotionally they often feel like that. And even though I've done it before, you know, it's like, I'm telling myself, but this is what happens and you have to learn this lesson. And this is how you learn where to go next. You know, it still doesn't feel good. (laughs) Even if you've done it and successfully come out the other side and, you know, logically you can tell yourself, oh yeah, no, no, this is how this works. And I will get through this. Um, when you're in the thick of it, like it's 
sucks. And it's like, maybe this is the time it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. So, um, but I I hear you. (laughs) I hear you. It's it's hard to see. So true. Um, One of the, one of the, like, you know, the statistics on, on, I guess you probably written, you must have said it or written about it or whatever, is that essentially you went from being in debt to being really profitable, 500 grand in profit or more in, in the span of 12 months, which is, Pretty insane. Not only because that's just insane and hard to do anyway, but like we were just talking about, like with the emotional torture that you're going through to sort of like have the spirit to keep pushing um, is is really impressive. How did you what was what would you like give the credit to for the big turnaround? Like, how did you dig out of that? Well, what happened was when we got rid of the employees, first of all, we had to get rid of them. And that was that, that was really hard. But all of a sudden, it showed me, it freed up all this space yep. because we were paying them $8,000 a month. So all of a sudden, we didn't owe. I mean, it, was, it felt like I just made $8,000 when yep. I let them go because this is money I was expecting to have to pay. Um, and all of a sudden, the, you know, the, the debt felt a little, like, slightly more manageable because our overhead went down quite a bit. Yep. And then... Because we were only two of us, we started to we had more space and time to reevaluate what we were going to offer, and so we ended up focusing in on small businesses instead of pitching larger and larger companies. Um, and we and I, you know, I help a lot of clients figure this out. We looked at our previous projects and clients that we loved, and and what our most profitable, what our most profitable. Um, previous projects were. And it turned out that despite the large price tags, the big clients were actually not nearly as profitable as the small clients, and um, especially small clients that we did in very tight timeframes. So we ended up packaging our services into what is now a brand up. We call it the brand up. It's our process where we do entire brands in one to three day intensives. Um, And at the time, we started by charging $3,000 for just a one day intensive um, very quickly, we, we raised that price. Now we charge 15000 for a one-day, you know, 20000 for a two-day, and I'm constantly raising it. Um, and these are projects that are very self-contained, so we don't have ongoing clients. So we can do, we can dedicate all our energy to it, and then at the end of the day, it's done. The client gets the website, all the copy, all the materials, everything they need, and we're done with it and we can move on to the next. And because that was such a unique process and it was very, it fed what we're best at and kind of the intense way that we work. Um, it went from like very difficult to get referrals from people. Cause I knew all these people, I networked my face off for yeah, years, yeah. all these people around me that liked me and, you know, believed that we were good at what we did. They had no easy way to refer us because we were just another agency so all of a sudden, all I had to do was go back to my network and tell them, oh, now we work in this method and we have flat prices and it's all on our website. And I just started getting referrals constantly because it was not only very unique, um, but it was really easy to talk about and share. Yep. So within a few months, we were out of debt because all of a sudden we were, you know, don't get me wrong, we worked our butts off for that year. Like we were doing project after project <laughs> because we were so excited we were getting all these clients all of a sudden we're making money um so we did work for it but we were just really we were just booked with clients doing these cool little projects um and and it was piling up and our overhead was low and so we just completely turned the whole business plan and model on its face um and it and it worked for it worked for us very well it's so cool One, one of the biggest things that i'm so like such a like a believer in and, and whatever is just that clarity, you know, because really what happened, it sounds like, is you got clear on, you know, that first of all, the natural instinct is to just go for bigger and bigger clients, bigger and bigger price tags, right? That's kind of the like no brainer. How do you scale a business? Just go bigger. And I think exactly. that, yeah, and I think that even like, you know, for me, I've been through a couple phases where um, that was kind of the strategy is just more and more and more, you know, I was, uh, I'm in the apparel business and the, the number one rule in apparel is just scale quicker, bigger. And, you know, I sort of now have this new appreciation and new strategy for having, going for healthy first, um, healthy business first Mm. and the, the, the clients and the retailers and the distribution strategy that's the healthiest, um, before, the biggest. And I think in a lot of businesses, people never get that clarity and they never see how much peace you can have by 
having a good, healthy business that maybe slowly scales, or maybe you find a point where you're happy and it's just a good cash flow, strong business. But I think the clarity on that and the clarity on what type of clients we're working and how to put yourself out there and what type of services to do, I just, that's what I wish I had more than anything. I wish like literally once a month I could just go into some sort of weird brain chamber and get ultimate clarity. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I, you actually just summed it up so beautifully. That really is, I think that is a perfect summary of the problem that most people fall into that trap of bigger is always better and scale before you're profitable. And it's like, no, do the complete opposite. Yeah. Look for what you're best at and what's most profitable and get really good at that and then scale. You know, take take that beautiful business model and make it bigger. Don't don't um, you know, like scramble your way trying the whole time to make it profitable. And and that's really especially as a small business, especially as somebody who wants a lifestyle business. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't have to work very many days a year to to live well. So we yeah. have a lot of time. So then you kind of you just you have a lot more freedom over how much you make and, and what you do with your time. And I, I think most people who especially as like small service business owners, people want to sell their expertise, consultants. I think that's what usually they're looking for. Yeah. Um, so that's I love so that. Good. It's the dream. I mean, you accomplished what essentially what it, the, dream the dream is, you know? Um, what about... I'm living the dream. You are. You are living the dream. <laughs> what about... Um, yeah. What about like, what's your main... I don't... I, the way I guess I want to word this is like sort of, what's your main point about branding or the main place where you see people going wrong like a lot of my listeners are younger people you know in their 20s that want to start businesses or maybe have just started a business and mm -hmm. I think that you've probably seen a lot and obviously you've written about it a lot um, of just where a lot of people kind of go wrong like do you have any main theory or main uh, thing that that is your go-to that you, you see constantly going wrong that people need to think differently about with branding um, yeah, I mean, there's major themes I see all the time. Um, and some of them you can chalk up to mindset and it's an understandable mindset when you're first starting a business, but, uh, trying to be everything for everyone. That's an obvious one, but yeah. it's also one that people know and somehow don't avoid. Uh, when you don't have clients, you think that if you specialize in something or, or, or focus your brand message that you're going to, uh, repel potential clients and you need them, but it's like the complete opposite. Um, you might repel them. I say, I mean, I define badass brands as being able to charge a premium price and still win the business and magnetically attracting your ideal clients and repelling everyone else. That's literally part of the definition. So if you are scared to repel people who are not your ideal clients, you are making a huge mistake because you're making yourself completely unreferable, unmemorable, unshareable. And as a small business, what you want is for other people to do your marketing for you. Yep. And they're not going to do that if they are unclear about who you are, who you are, if they have no very clear, you know, special idea of why you're different and why they should share you. They just won't think of you. And so that's probably the biggest mistake I see. Yeah. That's so good. What, um, what part of it do you enjoy the most of everything? Cause you do a lot. I mean, do you do a lot of like speaking and, and stuff like that also in the Forbes, um, writing or or just is that every just kind of every yeah. now and then yeah i mean i i speak i write and then i work um I'm, I'm now like coaching other people how to do this um specifically kind of almost do our model in their own way they don't have to do it exactly our way but how can they use these principles to build a successful and profitable you know marketing branding design business yeah. um but my favorite part is I just had this, I mean, I have this experience, you know, pretty often, but I had it again yesterday. It's like when I'm talking to someone, I'm branching them, you know, I'm asking them all these questions about their business. And then I like see, I see the light, like, oh, this is what you should be doing. And kind of like put the pieces, to, you know, like take the pieces apart and then like re-put them together. I'm yeah. like, this is your brand. And this is what you need to say. And this is how you need to own it. And this is what you need to sell. And oh my God, that is a beautiful brand. And I, if you said that to me, I would remember you. And I would, and right now, all this stuff you're saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. So yeah. when I get that clarity and I can tell somebody, and then especially when I say it to them and they go, oh my God, of course, 
that is what it should be because that's what your brand should be. It shouldn't be, it's not like you make something up. It should be, it should already exist. You're just trying to formulate it in a way that's clear. So getting that clarity and kind of seeing that light bulb moment and then sharing that with the client and then them seeing it. That's my favorite part. Yeah. So cool. Do you have any one that sticks out? Like, is there any one, uh, even if you can't Mm -hmm. say it, but any like one particular interaction or one particular brand that sort of is your favorite moment or your favorite turnaround or anything like that? Yeah. I mean, I have lots of, uh, I have lots of clients that have really excited me. Um, I mean, the one I did yesterday was really exciting, but it's not out there yet because I just told them what it was. Um, I would say, you know, one of my favorites is, is one of the first ones we did in this model, actually, it's a company called Stash Wealth. Um, and I'll share it because if you go to their website, you, you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah. They are um, financial planners for young professionals. Yeah. Um, but they're, when they came to me, they were very, they were hot off of Merrill Lynch, trying to do financial planning for young millennials, bringing their Merrill Lynch background. And they were just ugh, so Merrill Lynch. <laughs> they were yeah. so corporate. And they were trying to be kind of cool, but they were not cool. And it was not at all. And it was also not them. You know, they are actually very cool people and they were restraining themselves because they were in the financial industry and they had to do what was appropriate. And so helping them break out of that and telling them, you know, I, I usually ask clients, um, what, are you, what do you stand against? What do you hate about your industry? What are you trying to fix? And them telling me that they hated all this corporate stuff. I was like, okay, guys, then you need to not be that. Like, stop playing those those with those rules stop playing that game you need to embrace all the stuff that you're really uncomfortable about because that's you and that's your that's your market yeah and so when i finally got them to really start speaking in their own voice i mean their content is amazing um and it's really fun and it really speaks to a certain kind of clientele and when they first put it out there you know all their financial friends were like you can't say that and oh, you shouldn't be doing that. And now, of course, they all have amnesia and they're like, your brand is so cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh my God, you know, it's like very shareable. Like people love their emails. I mean, who loves emails? Like the people love their emails. I love their emails. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's a good one. Yeah, that's, that's, a, so that's good. a cool one. That just must be a really good feeling. I, I don't, I think that's really, uh, uh, I'm really jealous of the feeling of sort of helping someone have that big of a breakthrough. You know, it's almost like when people do like personal development and stuff like that. And it just, I've always thought like the feeling of someone just not being able to figure it out and you just kind of have this jam and then to help them just break through. And now they can go on and speak from that language. I mean, a lot of people can then go on, I'm guessing, and speak from that language forever. But it's only because you were able to give them that big breakthrough that set it off in the right direction. That just has to be a really cool feeling. Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, that's what's so fun about it, that they, they produce their own content. Um, and it was their voice. Yeah. You know, my job was to show them that that voice was valid, should be the forefront of their brand, you know, kind of encourage them and kind of kick them in the butt a little bit and say, no, you have to say, get your financial shit together. I don't always curse, by the way, in my, in my brand, great. but it it's good for our, we do that here. Brand. Get your financial shit together. <laughs> yep. And, and they were like, we can't say that. And now of course they love it, but that is how that they are sassy, super cool people, yeah. you know? So once they embraced it, the, the content flowed because it actually was their voice. It was just the voice that they had when they were out at happy hour cocktails, not the one that they had in the office. Yeah. And I just had to marry those two. But yeah, it's definitely a good feeling. I'm super proud of them. Yeah, that's really cool. What about, um, what sort of, do you do a lot of, okay, right now it's bigger than ever, especially with like the Gary V's of the world for sort of personal branding yeah. and sort of um, the CEO or whoever's running the company really being out front. And it's something that I talk about a lot and with my business partner a lot. And I think a lot of like sort of older, and I don't even mean older in age, older in mentality, CEOs just don't think that way. Mm. I mean, it was never, you were never supposed to talk about you. It was always the brand first. But I think more so than ever, it seems like the customers are, they want to hear who's running it. They want to hear what's important to them. They want to see what type of person they are. And I, it just seems like this constant, you, you're constantly hearing about it. Do you, is that hitting your radar? Or like, what, what's your opinion on that sort of type of branding? Yeah, that's really astute. I, I have found that 
personal branding is only becoming more and more important, especially because it's much easier and it's faster to tr- build trust with a face yep. and a name. Yep. So there are reasons to call your company to name a company after yourself versus a, you know, a company name. Um, but even in a company name, often, you know, who's the voice? Uh, if there can be a person as the voice, as opposed to just the company, um, it, I, I think you just get there faster yep. because I can try, I, I, I feel like I know you. Um, and I wrote my blog for years under worst of all design before I started blogging under my own name. Um, but even then people were like, well, it's you. <laughs> you know, yep. like they were like, yep. I feel like I know you, Pia, because I've gotten to know your voice. So then when I turned, I was like, you know what? I just need to be my own name. Especially when I wrote my book, I was like, I need to build this personal brand around my own name. And and I'm not one for the spotlight, oddly, because I know I said I dance, but performing was never my favorite part. Yeah. Um, I had terrible stage fright. I mean, I've worked with a, a speaking coach because I had terrible stage fright. All of these things, though, I did them because I realized, you know what? I think it's going to be easier for me to get my message out there the way I want to if I just suck it up and put my face in front instead of trying to hide behind a company. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I did that because it's more powerful. And so I, that, I think, is, you know, that's an indication that, yeah, a lot of CEOs are getting that, that putting their face out there is just going to be more pof- uh, you know, powerful in the long run. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. I just totally. think that... Um... It's constantly coming up. And I also think that by nature, the type of person that is a CEO or can run a business well is not the same type of person that wants to be seen or be a celebrity or be, you know, I think that those are by nature two different types of people. And I just think we're at a really interesting time where Mm. you just kind of have to be able to do both. Those are the people that are winning There's the people that can do both. And it's just harder than ever. I think kids and, and young people and Consumers in general are just getting more used to connecting with human beings because of social media. Um, And so you used to kind Mm. of be able to have this big brand and they weren't used to connecting to the person or needing to know who was running it. They didn't need to know any of that information. I think now as they get more and more used to being able to have more access to human beings, there's just kind of this urge to connect with a human or to see who's really behind it. I think it's it's just going to cause a an interesting shift, I think. And I think a lot of the CEOs, you're going to see a lot of CEOs coming out and being a little bit more out front, you know, uh, coming up. Yeah. Uh, Heard it here first. I haven't heard it explained like that, but I think that that is, that makes a lot of sense. Social media makes individuals feel much more accessible. Therefore, we're getting used to seeing their faces. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I I like that. I think that's what's Well, that's good. Good for me because our uh, our top tier brand up is called the Celebrity Brand Up, and it's specifically for thought leaders. Perfect, <laughs> so perfect. You're dead that's on. That's a good growing market. <laughs> You're dead clients. on. Um, what about like uh, like I, I always ask people like grand grand vision. Like, do you have a sort of vision for yourself as a whole? Like, when when this is all over, like, do you eventually want to scale up to bigger clients and have the biggest branding agency in the world? Or is that not really an ambition of yours? Do you want to say that you just, you know, you were the best small business? Like, what do you see for yourself as far as the the legacy play? Um, I think I've been scaling up my business really more through my personal brand. Yep. So, um, you know, my long-term my long-term goal in life is just to always be trying new things, doing new things. Um, At at points, and I think I'm still into this, I've said, like, I want to be the Marcus Limonis of small service businesses. You know, I want to, it's funny because I thought that. And, Sorry to cut you off, but when like, you were saying, best. when you were saying like that, yeah. you go and you pick apart what's wrong and you tell them what's right. I, I was literally picturing you as Marcus Limonis, but so, so keep going. I, I love Marcus Limonis. Yeah. It's a different space, but we actually do the same thing. Like the way that he his process is like very similar to mine. Yeah. Um, but he just says it in in brick and mortar. Um. So so that's what I want to be like. I want and and really my big big vision and I I do have kind of a more like manifesto thing that I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to share it. It's really this solopreneur economy idea where I'm just helping individuals become super super valuable and potent at what they do where they're making lots of money and they have lots of time and freedom because I think when you have an abundance of money and time 
you can invest more time in becoming better at what you do. Yeah. And to me, as an econ major, it's like the best way to increase value in the world without creating waste. So I'm like, that is my, that's my personal mission is to try to help individuals like increase their effectiveness and value in the world. Cause I, I see that as my contribution to making the world more valuable. And I, I kind of see it as like almost, um, almost like the, I call it like the buy local yep. of, of business yep. is like, like micro businesses, uh, hiring each other at, at high profit, you know, high price points where everyone's super profitable, but it's worth it because you're paying a high margin because you're getting really good value. So, you know, just, just upping the game of everybody. Yeah. So, you know, what does that exactly look like? I'm not sure, but that's, that's my grand, that's my grand vision. That's cool. It seems like you're dead on with where it's going also. I just feel like that is the future and sort of everyone's going to be a business to a certain degree in, in five years. And there's going to be a lot more smaller businesses as opposed to fewer bigger ones i just uh, that's just what i think that's where i think it's going you see everyone wanting to start businesses being an entrepreneur is cooler than it's ever been and it just yeah. seems like you're dead on with like your mission is perfectly aligned with where things are going you know yeah well i i hope to help lead it however i can yeah, i think great. it's a really cool way to go back in some ways to how it used to be before the industrial revolution where everybody had their own agency over their life. Yeah. But in a time period where it's very abundant as opposed to like everyone's poor making shoes, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. the cobbler, yeah. making the cobbler. like <laughs> so instead true. of being a cobbler, you're like, you know, some badass marketer or something. It's so good. Like it, it's back to that, you know, that individualism yep. um, that I, I think it. is, that I think people crave because I think it's, feed uh like fulfillment in life to create your own thing yeah. like steve and i always say like build your own pyramid you know don't build someone else's pyramid build your own pyramid it doesn't have to be huge it can just be like big enough for you and like the things you want to do yep i couldn't agree more okay last thing because i know we got we, we we got to get going what i always ask this i always end with yeah. this if you could okay you've been through a lot you've been through the ups and downs and 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 seen a lot learned a lot if you could go back to the we'll say 12 13 year old version of yourself um just sort of wandering around manhattan learning how to dance if you could <laughs> tell yourself anything now like a little gem to just kind of make everything a little easier what would you tell young pia um just don't sweat the small stuff so much yep. <laughs> i think yep. i think i sweat the small stuff a lot growing up and now you have perspective in your older age. Yep. And it's like, wasn't that big a deal? Yeah, so true. There's so you much know. time wasted on like, you know, the things that seem like the end of the world at the time. Yeah. And I think you just have to do that so you can learn that that's not what you should do. But I don't know if you can actually learn that from someone telling you. But I would still tell myself that. Yeah, because what I try to t tell myself now is like, what what are the small things now that I'm not recognizing are the small things that I will when I'm 80, right? What would I look back on at 31-year-old me and say, that was a small thing? Because in the moment, you don't see it as a small thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have trained myself when I, when I have something that I think is, you know, that's really bothering me. Um, I try to file it away under... Like, let me think of the last time that something really, really bothered me. Yeah. And, it, and I'll realize how I can't actually recall. And I know that they existed. So yeah. then I, I try to use that as a, a um, to show myself, like, I'm going to forget about this, yeah. possibly yeah. in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, right at this moment, maybe it sounds, feels pretty horrible. But like, literally, I might not remember this in two weeks. That's so let's so just true. put this in a little bit of perspective. So good. Um, what... Uh... This is the part where you can say anything that's coming up, what people should look out for, where they should go to find your site, to find whatever. Just let us know what's going on there. Yeah. Um, what's coming up? I don't know. I'm doing all kinds of cool things. <laughs> um, if you want to keep up with it, you can follow me everywhere as Pia Loves Your Biz, B-I-Z. Um, because if you haven't figured it out by now, I really do love <laughs> yeah. like everybody's business. Yep. <laughs> um, and also, uh, I'll throw up a page, um, for the listeners. I'm happy to gift you guys, um, the first chapter of my book, 
which is uh, which really kind of actually tells the story of how we went from debt to 500 grand in a month in a year. Um, and also, uh, I'm happy to share my brand shrink brief, which is how I figure out what people's brands are. So it's like this questionnaire you can take. It's pretty long, but it's but if you do the work, you really you'll find something out. Um, so I'll put that up at um, badassyourbrand.com backslash um, short story long. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you. Yeah, great. Yeah, thank you for doing this. Thanks for squeezing me in. Uh, just thanks for everything. It, it's really exciting, everything that you're doing and, and just your, your passion for it. And you can tell how much you love it when you talk about it. And I just think it's really cool. And there are certain uh, certain conversations and interviews that I do that just get me sort of motivated and inspired. And this was definitely one of them. So thank you for taking the time to do it. I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're an amazing host. And I feel like we really are on the same page about most of this. Stuff. Agreed. And next so, time I'm in New York, I'll send you an email. About. Let me know. Perfect. I'm here. Thank you You're so always much. Always welcome in Brooklyn. Yes, thank you. We'll talk soon. <laughs> okay. All right, bye, Pia. Bye. All right, there you have it. I hope you liked it. Um, the thing that I really liked about that episode is just how passionate Pia is, and and how much she loves what she does, and she you can just tell she really loves her job and is really sort of prepared and clear on how to take it to the next level. It was really, really good and really cool and really inspiring um, her book is called badass your brand she gave her website um, where she's putting up the first chapter of that book and also where you can read you know some of her other stuff but it was great i hope you guys liked it as always uh the newsletter subscribe to my newsletter at ynr.la slash drama youtube.com slash drama drama and 40 percent off all full-priced items on young and reckless with the promo code ssl Thank you guys, and I'll be back next week.